This is the Boxing Betting Show with Tom Craze. Welcome to the Boxing Betting Show. My name is Tom Craze. With a huge weekend of boxing coming up, I thought I'd invite back the first ever guest on the podcast from the first ever episode uh, of the podcast way back now in July 2019. Uh, a very different world. This episode, by my count, is number 45, uh, so I thought it was well overdue that we got the man himself back on. Writer for Boxing Social and formerly of Boxing Monthly, John Angus MacDonald. How are you doing, mate? Hi, Tom. I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well. got loads to get through, as we just discussed off-air. Um, Fury Wilder 3, plus undercard from Vegas, Matchroom Smith Fowler card from Liverpool, Queensbury's Foster Cunningham card from Birmingham as well. Um, so we're going to have to keep a pretty fast pace, and I'm hoping you're, um, well, hoping everyone listening is going to uh, sustain that, and and also you yourself. But I've had a few messages um, from listeners this week. It's been a bit of a common theme. Well, a few common themes actually. One is that uh, kind of li- looking forward to the podcast this week, Tom. Um, loads going on, so it's always nice to hear. So uh, cheers to the lads who that applies to, um, and a few kind of saying loads of. Price is speaking to me and um, you know this is going to be good I hope there's a well, one, one guy even said I hope there's a five-hour podcast um, I kind of replied with the words to the effect of well no chance and um, to be polite but thinking about it it's not as unrealistic as it sounds uh, assuming we spent and we're not going to do this we spent 15 minutes um, talking about each of the 19 fights currently priced up for uh, the weekend on Ozchecker that would weigh in just shy of that magical five-hour mark John, unfortunately, I don't make enough from this podcast to justify that marathon, nor I don't think would anyone really want to listen to it. Um, so we're going to try and squeeze in as many as we can. I do quite enjoy the kind of meandering episodes of this podcast where I can go off on tangents and, and spend 20, 30 minutes talking about one main event and chewing the fat, but it's not going to be the case here. We'll start with Fury Wilder 3 then. We, look, we know how each guy could or can win or lose this we know their strengths and weaknesses the the kind of the abridged approach I just described I think lends itself quite well to the third fight of a trilogy where in the build-ups to the previous two it's kind of been dissected and carved up every which way already so I'm going to try and do my best this week to avoid any tactical analysis and such any keys to victory type stuff and focus on the numbers purely as I can and you can find your technical breakdowns elsewhere at least for this week Look, nobody's, John, I don't know what you think. No one's going to convince me that Malik Scott has sort of magically turned Deontay Wilder into a kind of Usyk-style boxer, uh, or mover rather, in one camp, albeit an elongated camp. Um, So I'm expecting more of the same. It's very rare to see a fighter who outboxed his opponent in their first fight and bludgeoned him in the second being priced as generously as that. But it's because Wilder carries the ability to change a fight in one punch. He doesn't have to be brilliant for uh, 12 rounds. As he said himself, he only has to be perfect for one second. And that's true. That is why he is still being priced short for a guy that lost the two fights quite convincingly. I know the first fight was a draw, but let's be honest, we all know he lost that. No, I I think in in a way, this is a fight that price-wise, some people will be looking at. um, And they'll be looking at the way Fury as you say, beat him in the in the first fight, the way he kind of demolished Wilder in the in the last time out, last last February, and thinking that Fury kind of whatever price, you know, even one to three on, 
uh, sorry, three to one on like he is now, that would be a steal. And I think there will be a lot of people even now saying, I'm just going to pile onto that. But I think much like, um, you know, much like Joshua Usyk the other week, uh, and we, we see the same in other sports with football, I think particularly the bigger the fight, the bigger the contests, um, the more eyes that are on it, the greater the kind of efficiency of the market. And so I think you need a bit of creativity if you're going to find an angle on this fight. And a lot of people will just be doing it to have a punt on the, on the weekend's main event. But I think as with Joshua Usyk, I really like the overs in that in that fight and I, I was delving into the you know into the props into the side markets to find something and looked at the outrights and thought now I'm gonna I'm gonna leave that Wilder two to one under or bigger uh nine to four gives him the bookie say a 29 to 31 percent uh implied probability does that seem a bit high to you John for what is kind of uh I've said it before the kind of the ultimate punches chance in Wilder yeah, I think the probability that they're giving him is high, but it mm. is because he carries such devastating power. And we've seen it in the first fight. He didn't even land cleanly on Fury, and it took a miraculous recovery for him to get up and see out the final round. So I understand why they're doing it, but I still don't see much value in Wilder personally. No, no. Uh, I should mention. The draw, uh, 25 to 1, obviously worth mentioning just because of the first fight. I think the it, it gets more interesting, as I say, when you start looking at the, the methods of victory, for example. Um, Fury, just inside odds on, um, 10 to 11. So minus uh, 110, 52% implied, 11 to 4 to win a decision. Wilder, 3 to 1 to win a stoppage. In fact, 20 to 1 top price to win a decision, obviously, to nobody's surprise, that is the rank outsider there. I mean, look, Fury, as he did ahead of the rematch, not many people believed him, uh, me included, saying that he's going to wipe Wilder out. He's going to, quote unquote, take him out in annihilating fashion, um, which I'm not really sure is a phrase, but you get the point. Um, it would take a brave man, I think, here to put faith in Wilder, avoiding that same fate. Here, should Fury be in the mood? What are your thoughts on the, on the method prices there? Do you think I think obviously key, I say I'm not going to discuss keys to victory and now I'm talking about it. Um, look, is Fury going to sit back and, and be really cautious and, and try boxing him like he did in the first fight? Or do you think he's going to go out there and try steamrolling the guy again? Predicting what Tyson Fury is going to do is a bit like trying to predict the British weather. You can never be sure. <laughs> he is incredibly unpredictable. Mm. I, I can understand why it's a shade under evens for him to get the stoppage here but I don't know what mindset he'll be in you know I've seen bits of his camp it, he doesn't appear to be the most focused when he's not focused problems have occurred in the past so how do you motivate yourself to fight a guy that you believe you've beaten twice already and now that the big lucrative payday that you're waiting for on the other end has disappeared off the edge of a cliff mm. you know I don't know what Tyson Fury will see. What do you think? I mean, I think that's a very good point about that Joshua fight, isn't it? You know, if there was a, complete, a risk of complacency from Fury before Joshua Usyk, now you're kind of, well, you know, this this really is probably the money fight for him, at least for the foreseeable, um, with the Joshua Usyk rematch coming up. And yeah, you know, there's an argument to say he didn't want, you know, he didn't want this fight at all. 
it's been a weird build-up, hasn't it? Obviously, Fury um, contracted COVID, had to fight, had to kind of reschedule. People, even now, I'm, you know, I'm looking on Twitter and people are still saying, look, is this fight going to go ahead? I'm, until a few weeks ago, I talked to a lot of people and they were saying, yeah, I don't know about that. You know, I haven't seen anything for it. The, the press has been kind of ramped up quite quickly. But I, I don't know, something I did see um, that was interesting, it, it, from a kind of betting point of view, I, I read an interview with Sugar Hill, I think it was a few days ago, talking about Fury's weight. And the, these are his words. He said, it's probably going to be around um, 290 or something, heavier than the last time by 20 pounds or so. Why not? The bigger, the better, the heavier, the stronger. Now, obviously, that could be sort of killology from, from the trainer there. But personally, I think, or I'm inclined to think that if Fury does come in in that kind of wrecking ball type mode, if he just kind of thinks, I'm just going to blast this, um, you know, Dosser, as he would say, out of there, he could get the job done even more emphatically this time and even quicker. Tao came in in seventh round last time. The... The prices that stood out to me, and, and I said the only prices really, because I'm not going to be investing on the outrights. Um, but there are some, there are some kind of fancy prices on the on the round groups. And if Fury is dialed in, you've got Fury rounds one to six, eleven to four, um, so plus two seventy five, twenty seven percent. Fury in the first four rounds, five to one, seventeen percent, so plus five hundred, or even Fury in rounds one to three. Nine to one, ten percent. We saw it against, um, you know, I'm not going to compare Tom Schwartz to Deontay Wilder, but Fury, when he's in the mood and kind of just cannot be bothered with what he thinks is a mismatch, will end the fight early. And I'm certainly not suggesting, you know, an Erislandi Lara sort of sweep on all of those um, round groups, but I think there's at least interest there in the one to six at nearly three to one. But then you could turn out on the on its head and say, well not turn it on his head, but kind of widen the scope. And so, well, actually, Wilder could end it quite early. And so instead of taking Fury early, I'll say under 3.5 rounds, 7 to 2, uh, plus 350, 22%, or under 2.5 rounds, 6 to 1, et cetera, et cetera. I think I would be surprised if this goes long, personally, um, because I think Wilder knows he's not going to outbox him, depending on what kind of Malik Scott is, is telling him. And... And Fury, I, I just don't see him reverting to type. He's putting on weight, whether that's because he's not particularly focused. But I think he knows he can stop Wilder. Yeah, agreed. And the under 4.5 does stand out. Okay. Everything you said makes perfect sense. And it's one of these, I'll be having a bet on it, but only a small one. Because as I say, Tyson Fury is so wildly unpredictable. John, we'll move on then to... Um... Well, it's an all-heavyweight um, kind of pay-per-view portion of the card in Vegas. Uh, Robert Hellenius versus Adam Kaunatsky. I'm kind of kicking myself still um, after the, uh, the then-unbeaten Kaunatsky had an earmarked for a loss, as, uh, as long-term listeners would know. And then I missed the boat on Hellenius, uh, who I didn't think for the world would be the guy to, uh, to stop Kaunatsky. came in at double-figure prices, 10 to 1+, plus, um, stopped the poll inside four last March. It should be a fun slugfest, I think, but it's interesting that Hellenius is the underdog, uh, 11 to 5, so bigger than 2 to 1. The book he's given him just a 31% implied chance. And Kaunatsky, the house fighter, still really 4 to 11, um, so minus 275, firmly favoured to avenge his first loss. John, is he better than a 70 
73% chance to actually kind of right his wrongs here? I've never been a big fan of Kanaski. I've had him as a disaster waiting to happen. Like yeah. you, I did not think it was going to be Robert Hellenius. You know, I thought Hellenius had established himself in a gatekeeper, journeyman sort of mould and that the ambition had long since gone. I'd watched him in an awful fight against Dillian White on a Joshua undercard yeah. in Cardiff. I that, that, that was the so. fight, wasn't it? You, you kind of look at that and you just think, this guy is, he, he's kind of in Marius Wack mode then, isn't he? He's, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. That's the way I thought it was going to go. So I don't rate Kanaski, but I don't know can lightning strike twice for Hellenius if he goes in with ambition, if he believes he can win it, he's got attributes that can make him a problem. I'm really not sure on this one. What's your take? Well, I think we both, as I said before, I don't, we've kind of been quite blunt this week. Um, I don't rate Kaunatsky. I think he's a, he's a scrappy fighter. He's kind of fun to watch, but he's, he's so technically, you know, disorganized, let's say. Um, the problem is, I think he's, kind of meant to win but the question is whether he's chinny and if Hellenius lets his punches go I think he can win I do think he can win this again and I think to me four to eleven on Kaunatsky looks a little bit a little bit slim um I can see why he's the favorite but eleven to five I mean let me fire that back at you what what price would you need on Hellenius if it's not eleven to five it's it's not far off. No. I think if I was going to be backing Hellenius here, I'd be going for the KO market because I just don't fancy his chances of getting a decision when Kanaski is ostensibly the home fighter. Mm. I think if he's going to do it, it's the sort of 10 to 3 on the KO. That, that's probably where I would go. Yeah, um, so Hellenius, as you say, 10 to 3. Um, seven to two, uh, a few going as well. Paddy Power, Betfair, and uh, William Hill, and Bet Victor, uh, a few going uh, seven to two, so plus 350. Kaunatsky, odds, odds on um, to win by stoppage, 10 to 11, which seems again very slim. Um, Kaunatsky decision is the same price effectively uh, as the Hellenius stoppage, and uh, Hellenius decision, which ties in very closely what you said there about the decision. 17 to 2, so eight and a half to one uh, ish or thereabouts with bet 365, the draw 25 to 1. As I said, we'll keep up the the, the quick pace. Um, I'll try and catch my breath in between here. Um, this I think is the, the one of the most interesting fights on the entire card. Again at heavyweight, Frank Sanchez versus FA Ajagba. Two flawed heavyweight prospects. Both have shown quality and glimpses, vulnerabilities and others. It's a good fight. I'm really looking forward to this one. Hmm. You know, a Jagba at times does his Tesco value Deontay Wilder impression, which is fantastic. <laughs> Ouch. Ouch. <laughs> Frank Sanchez, when he decides to let his hands go and put his punches together, looks a good fighter. Quite often he seems disinterested and hmm. at times sloppy. I'm really interested to see how this one pans out. I'm going to be a bit more diplomatic on, on a joke, but I'm going to say <laughs> uh, 
he's obviously got the big power you kind of alluded to there in Wilder. It's definitely, though, in his last few, he started to look like he's got a much lower ceiling than the many, including myself, actually, first four. I thought, you know, when he was coming through, this guy was going to be a real, real handful. It is a great step up for both, though, isn't it? And it's it's always good to see, without sounding kind of too hackneyed, you know, two up-and-coming guys match together, um, you know, especially when the two unbeaten heavyweights um, in their 20s, apparently, um, who can punch. That's always fun. Sanchez is the favourite, and I think that's probably justified four to seven with William Hill. So minus 175, 63%, uh, listed at 29 years old, which I don't believe is a typo. Uh, a Jagbur. 17 to 10 best price plus 170, 37% for a Jaguar. But I think you're, well, I mean, is, is there anything there in the outrights? Or again, have you, you started looking towards the, the methods there, John? It's methods again for me. Yeah. You know, if, if you like a Jaguar in this fight, it's got to be the KO at three to one. Mm-hmm. And similarly with Sanchez, with the KO hovering about, two to one ish it's it's those are the markets i don't see this one going the distance both have made too many mistakes to go unpunished and the reason their promoters have chucked them in with each other is so they can have a look to see what they've really got here Mm. you know so it's it's a fight that i think will definitely end with in with inside the distance i can't see it going the distance now that i've said that just it's going to be a 10 round stinker, but that's <laughs> at the minute. I just, I can't see it going the full distance. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, it, it does kind of feel like that a little bit, doesn't it? It's, it's kind of, um, you know, the, uh, the handler is kind of playing their, playing their hands and saying, well, actually, you know, which of these, which of these horses is, is going to be worth backing going forwards? Cause they haven't always impressed. I think Sanchez is the better fighter and the better boxer for sure. I don't actually hate the, the distance as much as you're saying now i can see a scenario where you know we've seen a jagbur try and get out of that you know just big puncher mode and he's he, you know he's trying box a bit and then he kind of looks a little bit gun shy doing it sometimes and just looks a little bit a little bit awkward almost and, and like you say sanchez can kind of obviously both guys can really punch but he can look a bit, little bit labored sometimes kind of a little bit I would say disinterested, but he fights in patches. I think that would be fair yeah. to say, wouldn't it? Um, yeah. You know, he's not a, he's not going to be a pressure fighter. Yeah, look, I don't. You know, actually, I, I don't hate this uh, Sanchez decision. Two to one, actually, twenty-one to ten, eleven to five. Yeah, um, the bookies can't really call which they prefer here. Fifteen to eight with um, bet three six five on the on the Sanchez KO. 21 to 10 on the decision so there's you know very little lean there gun to your head john which of those would you take of the outcomes there uh, obviously factoring in the respective prices i would go with sanchez by ko i think mm. if a jaguar tries to box sanchez is just the superior boxer there will be moments for sanchez to counter if a jaguar tries to box if a Jagba goes guns blazing as he did early in his career, there will be moments for Sanchez to counter once more. Of course, when a Jagba lets his hands go, if one lands, he could win. But I would go Sanchez KO gun to my head. You're listening to the Boxing Betting Show.
before we go over to the matchroom Liverpool card, uh, have a quick look at the Frank Warren show from Birmingham uh, and a well-matched main event, British Commonwealth European titles, um, all on the line at Super Featherweight. Now, we're recording this podcast a couple of days um, earlier in the week than I normally would. Um, so there aren't the necessarily the breadth of markets that we'd normally get, say, if we're recording late on a, a Thursday evening. Um, but Brad Foster uh, against Jason Cunningham, there are some outright odds available. And uh, Foster is the slight favourite. As I say, it's a well-matched fight on paper. Foster four to six, so at minus 150 implied 60% chance. And uh, Jason Cunningham, uh, five to four. Uh, so plus 125, 44% the draw at 16 to one. That is with um, William Hill. Obviously, Cunningham um, scored a big upset against um, Yafai uh, last May. Um, Gamal Yafai, big prices available on uh, Cunningham that night. And I know a few fancied him going into that. I was not sadly one of them, but 10 to 1, 11 to 1 I saw uh, available there. Cunningham doesn't have a pretty record. Um, six losses to its name already. Um, 29 wins, only six of them coming by way of KO. Uh, Foster, we know all about um, 14 wins, five KOs, was in a very good fight against um, uh, James Beach uh, Jr. last summer. Um, generally, as his record suggests, Foster is not a guy with, with kind of fudding power. So I think this could be an interesting, uh, interesting matchup, although uh, when the obviously when the uh, over under rounds and, and distance markets comes out, you'd expect the distance to be very short here. Yeah, it's interesting because if this fight had taken place prior to Cunningham's win over Yafai, I think we'd be seeing vastly different odds right now. Yeah. And the interesting thing with Brad Foster is he's learning everything on the hoof. I think Frank Warren's done a great job with progressing him and matching him. Mm. But this is a guy with a kickboxing background. He doesn't have an amateur pedigree whatsoever. He doesn't have extensive experience in boxing at all. So he's learning as he goes along. Cunningham is an interesting step up. I'm trying to think through Foster's record. Has he fought many southpaws? Do you think Cunningham's got it in him to to kind of pull another upset, albeit a much um, smaller one this time? I think he's got a chance. As I say, Brad Foster is having to learn everything in the ring as he goes along. Mm. We've seen in the first Lucian Reed fight that he doesn't always get it right. No. So if he hasn't fought any or many southpaws to this point, Jason Cunningham could be an awkward night's work. Well, I mean, if Cunningham does get it done, uh, anyone who predicted um, kind of early May last year that a year later, Jason Cunningham would be British Commonwealth and European champion would have got pretty good odds on that one, I would say. Yeah. We will move on then, uh, John, to the, the Matchroom show. It's a packed card and, and kind of similarly to the Fury Wilder card, which is all heavyweights. This has a few big fights, at least domestically, in the in the light middleweight division, super welterweight, whatever you prefer to call it. Headlined, of course, by Liam Smith versus Anthony Fowler. And a lot of people really, uh, really love this fight, really looking forward to this fight. And there's, there is a bit of a, it, it's nice when there's a bit of a domestic buzz, uh, kind of to a, a, an all British fight, because not many people would have said that this was likely to happen. I think, you know, Fowler's looked great, I think, since stepping up to, rather since joining up with McGuigan. But, 
he's had a, a few soft touches, hasn't he, along the way. They've they they started, or rather, they've they really kind of focused on honing his craft, but not going in too tough after that um that Fitzgerald loss. And obviously the kind of subsequent rebuild. Um Smith obviously very, very unlucky. Most felt, I think, um, in Russia last time out against um Kubanov. He's been in there with the best, obviously, for Canelo. Um Liam Williams was a very good win uh, and, and kind of getting better with age as well. Um, Munguia, he's fought as well and, and, and to his credit, put up a decent um, performance there. John, before we get into the, the prices, are you one of those kind of fans of this fight as well? Yeah, I really like this fight yeah. because the there's the unknown factor going in here. Just how much has Anthony Fowler truly improved under Shane McGuigan. He's undeniably improved. It's just to what extent. This is his first real test. And I find it interesting that they've gone in this deep because Shane doesn't tend to have his fighters go into step-ups at the wrong time. If you look at the record of that gym in 50-50 or as close as, they nearly always come out on the right side. So... I find it interesting that McGuigan believes that this is the right time for this fight because it's a huge step up from the people Fowler's been facing since linking up with them to taking on Liam Smith. Akoli, of course, is another fighter who's you know come on leaps and bounds under the, uh, the tutelage of McGuigan. No surprise, John, I think, to see Liam Smith as the, as a favourite in this fight when it was first announced um, and a couple of messages saying, yeah, Smith all day, Smith all day. And I, I was a little taken aback by that. I thought that it was a better fight than some were making out. But I, at the same time, these were guys who would, you know, who, who know Smith quite well. Eight to 13, best price um, on Lee and Smith, again, with William Hill, four to seven, generally available eight to 15 around as well. So uh, eight to 13 um, puts Liam Smith at a 62% chance and foul at 11 to 8, uh, 5 to 4, 42% um, ish on Anthony Fowler. Uh, the draw, 20 to 1 best price, so 5% implied on the on the draw. How do you see this going in terms of, well, actually, I'll ask you, do you think Smith was hard done by in his last fight? Do you think that was a bit of a robbery in Russia? Yeah, it was a bad decision. It's one of these, yes, there were swing rounds, but yeah. I just, I would struggle to find seven rounds for Kurbanov. He was fighting over there on a Russian national holiday. <laughs> Liam Smith was never coming away with a decision. So it's interesting that he's come back in with a fight against Fowler, who he has not hidden the fact that he believes is at least one, if not several levels below him. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what Smith has proved is, you know, he hasn't beaten a a real kind of top guy, but when he was in with someone, you know, like Eggington, that was a, that was a real thrashing, wasn't it? And he's, you, you get the feeling that he believes firmly that he's of, a different class to these guys and I think what's interesting is that when there's been a lot of talk about the 154 pound division in the UK because it's quite strong and you were saying okay well you've got Fowler you've got Cheeseman Fitzgerald uh, Conway Williamson uh, you know Metcalf and so on and so on but for a long time no one was ever mentioning Liam Smith's name 
probably because they kind of thought he was beyond this this kind of level. So I think it is interesting to see him take this fight now. If Smith were to lose this fight at the age of 33, having lost in Russia, albeit contentiously, and then losing to a kind of an up and coming guy who hasn't done anything above domestic level in Fowler, it's a bit of a crossroads fight in that respect. And the same for Fowler, that if he loses, you know, again, um, after Fitzgerald, I think there's any shame in him losing to Liam Smith, who's a proven kind of world title, former world champion, I guess, but, you know, former and, and proven world title contender. Who, who do you think has got more to lose here? It's very difficult for me to decide who's got more to lose because mm. it's very different things at stake. If Liam Smith loses, there are plenty of fights for him domestically, but yeah. I just don't think he'd want them. Yeah, I can't see him going for it. So essentially, it's retirement for him, whereas there's boxing on more platforms than ever before in the UK. Someone will pick up Anthony Fowler it might be a long journey back. It might not be on the money he wants, but his career isn't over. You know, if even if he went to somewhere like McKennessy and Channel 5, there would be an Eggington fight there for him on terrestrial TV, mm. which would be a good platform to yeah. bounce back on. So I think that it's probably, there's probably more at stake here for Liam Smith. Not that he'd be out of options. I just think he'd be out of options he'd be willing to take. The bookies are—they're not firmly kind of tying their um, their sail to the mast on this. But Liam Smith um, by stoppage is the favourite, thirteen to eight, eleven to four for Smith by decision. Uh, Fowler seven to two by KO, and um, about the same price actually um, to win by decision. So certainly they can't call how Fowler would win if he's going to the draw. As I said, out at twenty to one. Is there anything there that jumps out at you, John? Not particularly. The, I guess the sort of big price, as it were, is Fowler by decision is a little bit wider than I would have had it. Mm. Okay. Because technically he is the house fighter. He appears on more matchroom shows than Liam Smith does. He is probably technically the house fighter here, the priority. We know how decisions go. Smith is not a big ticket seller. Fowler is a bigger ticket seller. There could be a pro-Fowler crowd in the arena on the night. That could have an impact if it's remotely competitive. So I think that's the one that stands out to me as being maybe just a little too wide. What do you think? The price actually that jumped out at me the most, I think, here was in the uh, method of victory, uh, sorry, method of victory market, the uh, to go the distance market. Fight not to go the distance, four to six, general price uh, so minus 150 the fight to go the distance uh, 11 to 10 so odds against plus 110 that we see the rather that we hear the final bell and I think that's I, I think I would have that the other way around you know I think they, they both like a, a body shot we know that but they're both pretty solid um, Fowler let's, Smith is a, you know favored to win by by stoppage here but Fowler is a, a strong tough guy big for the weight as well I'm struggling to see maybe not struggling to see is, is the right phrase but I, I wouldn't have the confidence um even at 13 to 8 to be backing the Smith stoppage and I think 
Fowler would be durable enough, strong enough, and, and frankly good enough um, to maybe go the distance here at the price. And I think in a in a coin flip, I take the eleven to ten um, that this goes the the distance rather than the, the four to six. I think the concern here for people with Fowler is that he is big at the weight. Yeah. But in the Fitzgerald fight, that actually was to his detriment. He was blowing quite hard towards the end of the fight and he got knocked down by exhaustion as much as Scott Fitzgerald's punch. He was extremely tired at that point and it'll be interesting to see if conditioning and uh, nutritional changes are allowing him to make the weight differently. I know McGuigan implements strategies to control the pace of the fight, but I think Smith's tactic will be to make sure that Fowler is not allowed to fight in his comfort zone, that Smith is going to be on him at all times. So it'll be interesting to see if he simply wilts under the pressure late on. Ted Cheeseman against Troy Williamson, another interesting fight on paper. Cheeseman, we know all about Cheeseman, uh, and if you don't like watching uh, Ted Cheeseman fight, it's probably because you don't enjoy watching behind um, your kind of fingers sometimes. He, he is a guy who may not kind of age well in ring years, but we should enjoy him while he's here. Won a, a very good fight last time out against um, JJ Metcalf and was the uh, underdog for a, a lot of the time in that. And I, that was one of those fights that I, I've always fancied Cheeseman in and I backed him at I can't remember the exact price. It was, it was slight odds against, um, and Metcalf was about four to five, I think, from memory. Um, yeah. But it was one of those fights that, Cheeseman started off really well in, dropped a few rounds and then rallied and stopped uh, Metcalf really late at around uh, 11. And uh, yeah, I had money on it, but at the same time, it, I kind of, that finish sort of made me jump out of my, of my seat a little bit because it was just, he, he was so good in that fight, um, Cheeseman. And he just, he's just one of those guys who, when he's really, really focused, he, he kind of won't be denied and, until he will, if that makes sense. You know, he's he's got no quit in him at all, even against um, Sergio Garcia. He just kept on kept on coming. Troy Williamson, it, I mean, it's, this is an interesting fight in itself because Williamson is normally a BT uh, fighter, of course. Uh, this is for the British title at 154. Williamson unbeaten, 16-0, uh, one draw in there. Bigger step up for him uh, on paper than it is for Cheeseman. It's Cheeseman that is the, uh, it's a favourite. Mix of prices, about four to six, um, four to seven, eight to 13 on Cheeseman. Williamson, an outsider, but not kind of prohibitively so. Six to five, five to four, uh, 11 to 10, the draw at 18 to one. How do you see this going, John? It's a really good fight. Yeah. I like this. I like any fight that Ted Cheeseman's in. <laughs> if you match him with someone that's coming to try and win, Ted will oblige them and it makes for fantastic viewing all the time. It's a fight that I think is priced relatively fairly. I'm, mm. I think Williamson is slightly shorter a price than I was expecting because he's only really had one good win against Kieran Smith, who anyone who's watched him on MTK shows has seen for a guy with so many physical advantages. He's extremely tall at the weight. He's got a long reach he would always give away those advantages. So it's it wasn't an upset when Williamson beat him. I think that he might be slightly overrated on the back of that win. Who do you think the puncher is? 
I think both of them punch hard enough to hurt you and mm. are willing to stand there and trade. I don't think either man is the puncher per se in this fight. I think it's a fight if there's a stoppage, it comes from an accumulation of damage rather than a single bolt from the blue is how I think it will go. How do you see it? Yeah, I think you're yeah, I think the the question here is, as you say, Williamson's record looks a little bit light. 12 KOs from 16 wins sort of positions him as the puncher. I think probably the one punch power would belong to him. But Cheeseman is, well, as we know, kind of a volume puncher a lot of the time. Um if I'm looking at the outrights, I I think four to six is the absolute minimum I would take on Cheeseman here. I think four to seven is starting to look a little bit a little bit skinny, but looking at the methods you've got, I think this is interesting. The Cheeseman decision, uh, 13 to eight best price of Skybet. Uh, yeah, yeah, 13 to eight best price. Uh, Williamson, 10 to three to win a decision, seven to two that Williamson gets the stoppage and Cheeseman three to one. So it's kind of similar similar prices for the, uh, the the two pairs there. Do you see this as a distance fight? I see it as a distance fight more than likely. If there is a stoppage, I think it will be Cheeseman that will get it okay. late on. I, if Williamson's record flatters to deceive and he gets drawn in and ends up fighting Cheeseman's fight, we know that Cheeseman can weather these 12-round wars I've got no idea if Troy Williamson can. We'll move on to the the last of the kind of the super welter um, kind of trio on, on the card. Kieran Conway against um, JJ Metcalf. Metcalf, we just mentioned, um, dropped a dropped, dropped a stoppage. <laughs> Was stopped rather by Cheeseman in, in 11 last time out. Um, Conway dropped a split decision um, to Suzuko on the Canelo Saunders undercard, which... I think he did better in that than a lot of people thought he would. And I don't think there's any disgrace in losing to um, Suzoko either. Uh, we've seen him beat McCauley McGowan, um, Craig O'Brien. It's kind of been, he's been given some chances after the, the Cheeseman uh, draw. Uh, and he's, despite his record, you know, he's only got three KOs in 16. He's one of those fighters who I think is, is actually pretty good. Um, for, for kind of domestic level, but he's just waiting for that big breakout win for him. And Metcalf, you would think, should be the guy if Conway is to kind of step up and, and kick on. He's he's quite short here, though. One to three, Sky Bet make Conway. Four to nine, um, best price with Bet Victor. So uh, minus 225 that Conway gets it done. Metcalf out at nine to four, uh, 13 to eight, seven to four, and the draw at 20 um, to one. Do you think that's a pitched about right on on Conway? Um, I mean, Metcalf was let's let's not forget the favourite coming into that Cheeseman fight. Conway at one to three. What, what do you make of that? I think it's a bit skinny, to be perfectly honest. Particularly yeah. with the fight in Liverpool. Yeah, uh, Conway, Conway's got a style that he's always going to be reliant on judges appreciating the work he does. Mm. I think he's a very good boxer. I like the way he fights, but judges don't always reward that. I know that his big break came from the judges perhaps over-rewarding his work against mm -hmm. Ted Cheeseman, which contradicts mm. what I'm saying, but... but it I wasn't just... in Liverpool against Liverpool, yeah. 
absolutely son of a legend at that. So yeah, I think it's a bit skinny. I think the real value is in the method of victories. I think James Metcalf by decision at four to one is wide, given that it is in Liverpool. The fight's okay. likely to go the distance. If he manages to land big body shots to slow down Conway and force him against the ropes into the corners and to engage in his fight, then I really think that he's got a shot of being rewarded here. That's an interesting angle. I think you look at the the price on the Conway decision, 8 to 13, as you know, the away fighter. Um yeah, I think that there is an argument that is that is very skinny. Um Metcalf stoppage five to one. He's certainly the bigger puncher um uh, ahead of Conway on that. Uh, Conway five to one um on the on the stoppage himself. Records don't suggest that. Uh, I think Conway is a, a bigger puncher than his three knockouts suggest, of course, but um bear in mind he's fought some some decent fighters there as well. The draw uh 17 18 to 1 last two fights um in this uh this kind of sprint to the finish and we're going to have quickly glance over them Shannon Courtney against Jamie Mitchell the the underdog Mitchell started about 4 to 1 and has seen a bit of money 3 to 1 5 to 2 uh 11 to 4 available on Mitchell now Courtney the 2 to 7 still a firm favorite of course um and uh, the other fight Ryan Charlton uh, is the 4 to 7 favorite with William Hill against Luke Willis, another Liverpudlian, 13 to eight in that one, 18 to one for the draw down at lightweight. John, of the two there, was there anything that um, that jumped out at you? Anytime Shannon Courtney fights, I cover the draw just in case because she's in these fights that tend to be quite close on the cards and okay. one of these days the draw is going to land. Okay, 18 to one. Did you feel a bit aggrieved on the, uh, on the Rachel Bull fight then? No, because I backed Rachel Ball heavily. Good man. When the, the price first came out. Good man. Yeah, didn't didn't we all? Um, saying that, I think with the knockdown, you'd struggle to get to the draw there in the, the sixth rounder, wouldn't you? But uh, okay. Uh, and Charlton Willis, any any thoughts on that one? Interesting fight. I'm surprised Willis is being priced this competitively. He's very much an unknown quantity. Mm. Hasn't really stepped up yet. It'll be interesting to see how Charlton adjusts to dropping down to lightweight. It's an interesting fight. I don't know enough about either fighter with any confidence to be betting it, but I'll be watching him play to see if anything comes up. The expectation is that when I had Charlton on the uh, on the podcast, he said his natural weight was was lightweight, and the expectation is that he will be a pretty big puncher. You know, he he could certainly punch at, at welter um, to you know to an extent, but if he holds on to that power down at 135, he should be should be an interesting watch. But style-wise, Willis is the slicker of the two, you know, at home. Of the two, if I was to pick, I would I would put my faith in Charlton. Um, we've seen him look pretty good. John, I'm aware we're taking up uh, very much of your time with this, um, this pack slate, but I'll tell you what, there's so many fights this weekend. Give me your top three bets for the weekend. I, I think... My best bet of the weekend will be Tyson Fury by KO at about 10 to 11. 10 to 11, it's, yep. It's slightly narrower than I'd like, but I still think it's good. I I think 
The second one I would take is probably the under 4.5 in the Fury Wilder again, at about okay. 5 to 2. And my third pick, I would take Metcalf by decision at 4 to 1 because I just think it's too wide, to be perfectly mm. honest. What are your bets for the weekend? The, the question is, um, how do I get with the, the Fury stoppage? Um, I think I'm going to go for the one to six uh, of the, I'm looking at these round groups and trying not to get greedy and take them all. Um, I, I like the, I like the one to six, 11 to four. Uh, and I like the, uh, where were we? Yeah. I, I like the distance in Smith Fowler as well. Um, 11 to 10. Um, so what's against on that? I think that's, I think that's pretty solid. I think those are probably my, my favorite two. I think if you're asking me for a bigger price, I mean, you, as I said, you could you could side with the unders in Fury Wilder. Um, you know, you, it depends how ambitious you're feeling, but I think, you know, one to Fury rounds one to four, five to one. I could see that. Um, or the un, under three point five rounds seven to two, uh, as I think you said there as well. I think in terms of an outright underdog, Hellenius uh, against Kalnatsky, I think there's enough in that price at. Uh, 11 to 5 that seems a bit disrespectful to me after that first fight all good shouts probably all wrong shouts in in the form i'm in but let's <laughs> let's see john a pleasure as always to to chat to you i'm great to have you back on and hopefully it won't be uh, another two years before we hear your voice on the show again thank you very much for having me on it's been a pleasure as always and hopefully john and i have given you something to think about then uh, when approaching your own bet selection this weekend Uh, if you're having a bet this weekend please remember of course to gamble responsibly fingers crossed that the fights this weekend live up to their billing Uh, it should be a very good one indeed if they do the very best of luck to you if you are getting involved this weekend Uh, thank you as ever for listening to the show and speak again soon